Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited today. My second episode, one of the most prolific persons I ever met in my life, man. A guy who put me in a situation where I felt like it was nothing else to turn to, but he was my hero and always been my hero, the one and only Mike Tyson. Mike, what's up? Yo, man, how you doing, Eric, man? Beautiful seeing you, brother. You know I love you. Hey, listen. You know, hey, listen. I like when you call me Eric because that's how you know you really know me. If people don't know me, they don't know our relationship. We grew up in the same building. We grew up on the same block, same neighborhood, Brownsville, Brooklyn. Hey, free this lunch. is my big... Stayed in line and got free lunch together. Yeah, yeah, this, this is my big brother. Mike. Across the street, the church. Across the street, nigga. Yeah, oh yeah, right, right, right on the, right on the corner. The, the, the hit. Actually, that church is right on the corner of Amboy and... What's that, Sutter? Sutter, Amway Sutter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mom's used to date the guy who, who who moms owned that church, and he died like years ago. But oh man, I didn't know that. But I mean, that's how you been, Mike? All the feeling. I feel good, brother. I've been working out, man. I've been getting in shape. I'm just, I don't know. I feel, man. God has really been kind to me. I'm very grateful. Hey, yo, listen. I, I don't want to make this into an interview. I want to make it more personal. I don't want. I don't want to feel like I'm interviewing my brother. So we just gonna talk our shit. And you say what you feel, I say what I feel, and that's how the fuck this shit start off. You feel me? Let's do it. Listen, so where you living at now, Mike? You living in New York City? You in Jersey? You, you, uh, where, where, where you at? I have a place in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I have a place in Newport Beach, California. Newport Beach, California? Yes. Oh, so you in Las Vegas? You back and forth? For, what's yeah, really home? Back and forth because my company is in... Um, El Segundo, California. So I, I come out here to do business most of the time. So I live out here more than um, eight months of the year. Do you feel like the Cali life is? People say that living in, living on the West Coast is a little bit more promising than the East Coast. Um, I, I mean, I'm an East Coast guy myself, as you as you as well. Do you like it over there better, or you miss it being over here? I don't say better, but it's it's better for my situation. Maybe not better for me, but for my situation of prospering in life. This is better, yeah. A, a, a way better life, right? Absolutely. Less, How long you been on the West Coast? I've been on the West Coast. I really came here when I was, what, 19 years old. I had a place here when I was 19, and I've always been here. I probably lived in Vegas for 20, 33 years, 34 years. So I've been on the West wow. Coast. I've been on the West Coast since 1984. Wow. So you basically was going there since a kid, just back and forth to... Yeah. To Vegas. Okay. Look, Mike, so you won the championship in 1986. One of the youngest champions ever. Yes. Um, at age 20 years old to now, which is what? 20 years old now. I'll give you now. You might be 52, 53. 53. Give it eight. 53. 53, yeah. So we're talking 33 years ago. Do you still feel like you in boxing shape or... You, you know, you know, because I know you work out every day. So yeah, how, no, how's it, how your body feel now? I'm pretty, I'm pretty fit, but I'm, 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 I'm not in athletic shape now. But I'm, I'm, I'm on the verge of being in athletic shape. Yeah, but I'm pretty fit. So you work out every day, or is it something you just do as a hobby? I took off today because my body was just depleted. It was really sore, so I took off today, and I probably start back Monday. I've been working really hard. I do my, I hit my mitts for like 30, 25 minutes or 24 minutes. Then I do uh, weights for like an hour, 15 minutes. Lightweights, nothing heavy. So so one of these boxing promoters gave you a call tomorrow and said, hey, Mike, we want to set up a fight for you in 2021. And they and, and they had somebody laid out for you to fight. Would you take that fight for 10 million? Well, not for 10 million bucks, but I'll box exhibition for, I'll box them an exhibition for a charity or something, you know, and I'll I, I receive some money, but I'll give a great share of it to charity and stuff like so that. So you still, so you telling me right now, Mike Tyson still get in the ring and go and go twelve rounds? No, I don't want to go twelve rounds. I go three or four for exhibition. Well, I mean, none of your fights never went twelve rounds, really. I'm <laughs> just well, I don't want to go. I don't want to get. I'll, I'll train for twelve, but I only want to go three. <laughs> well, how do you feel about the heavyweight boxing now? To, from from when you were boxing in the in the late eighties, early nineties, to how you feel about it now? Listen, this is what it's about right now. This is, believe it or not, um, 
it, it was, it's about money now. It, it, it appeared like it was about money in the 80s when I was fighting. But during the 70s and the 80s, the 50s, fighting was all, since the beginning of fighting to the 80s, let me say that. And maybe now too, to a certain degree. But from the beginning of fighting, I'm talking about before Christ, since gladiators and all that stuff, until the 80s when I, that's all ego-based. That was all ego-based. My study of it was ego and pride-based. Now it's financially based. People want to make the most money and they don't look at it as being, going to history, being a great fighter, or being a mythological figure like God stands an ego, a megalomania mentality. It's all about finances and having money and getting that kind of source of power. Before so would you, ego. would you say, do you say that wrestling and boxing have similarities in the 2000s? I mean, it seems like Absolutely. it's real, but it ain't real. Because the show is a show. It's all about show now. It's all about the most, um, the guy that has the most charismatic guy. He doesn't have to be the best, but he has to be more charismatic. The people involved, invested into his life. Like a guy like Tyson Fury, the crowd, we're, we, we're invested into his life. You know what I mean? We want to know what this strange guy is going to do because he's strange. He got, he got all of our imaginations wrapped in. We're waiting for his next move. And it's very rare that a person grabs that from a mass, from a, I guess a mass of people like he does. And that's what makes the heavyweight championship special. Because the champion, the heavyweight champion, he grasps the imagination of the world. And I don't, and I'm not saying that, and maybe it's ego, but that's just what it is. Tyson Fury has the imagination of the world. Even though we don't want to say it, we have we could be hating a little bit from our just our, our humanity is just our ego, but he had it right now. He got the light. And so you're telling me if you had to put your last million dollars on a heavyweight boxer right now. Pound for pound, punch for punch, who would you who would it be? To bet on who against who? I'm just saying, what what heavyweight boxer that you feel like now has a lot of similarities to Mike Tyson Hunger, and and you will put your money behind them right now. Your last million dollars though. Hey, listen, I have to um, I have to start, I have to do an analytical perspective on that. That that won't be something I would say right in ten minutes. A ten second. I, I have to think about that. Okay, okay. Because look, because your hunger was was a lot different. Coming from Brownsville, oh, listen, coming from nothing. Listen, I don't man, see that no more. I talked to a guy by the name of he was an old comedian, Bordelli, named Milton Berle, right? And um, and he was said he had said that I had lost the Buster Douglas, and I was really beating myself. I felt depressed. He said, "Man, listen, you lost the fight, and you." You got $30 million. He said, Lou, that's not losing. That's not losing. He said, losing is going back to Brownsville and you can't get back out. That's losing. Absolutely. He said, that's not losing because you lost the Buster Douglas. Losing is to have to go to Brownsville and not, have to, not able to get back out. And that, and that gave me perspective at 23 years old that Milton Burrow said that to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, he ain't never lied to you. I mean, losing, even to me being from Brownsville, Losing to me is actually going back to Brownsville. <laughs> yeah, listen, I know what you mean. I know. But listen, this is what I found out. When I lost, I had to go back to Brownsville to go back to my roots. That's what it's coming. That's why I always go back there. That's what I meant, that I can't get nowhere else. I, I can't get my roots anywhere else. So I have to go back there to get recharged. Isn't that yeah, but even, even, even now that you're not boxing, I, 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 don't, I don't see you as much. But I know you still go back to Brownsville on a regular basis. Is that because you're homesick or that's home? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Sometimes when I go down and I say to myself, can I, I can't believe sometimes I'm not getting molested or getting shot at or something because I know what it used to be like, you know? And I'm just saying, God, this is this is where I come from. This is who I am. This is the this is the fiber of what I made out of. This made me the champion. Anything that I got good came from this place that is bad. And, and, and a lot of people's eyes in, in, in this era, they would say, yeah, Mike went through a lot of money in his career. Mike lost a lot of money. Mike won a lot of money. What's the most money that you think you wasted on something in your career that you felt like now at age 53, why the fuck did I do that in your boxing career? All right, listen, this is what I want to say. This is something that's very interesting to say that. Because at this stage in my life, I'm 53, going to be 54 in June, the end of June, right? You know what? You know what I got out of my whole boxing career? You know what I have? I have a lot of stuff. 
I have a lot of clothes. I have a lot of um, stuff. It's just stuff. It's There's a bunch of shit. It's stuff. I got um, hundreds of millions of thousands of hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars for stuff that I never use. And I don't care about it. But I don't want to let it go. I'm a hoarder. So my job is to get rid of this stuff and make sure someone else gets it that can really use it. But but to this day, you're still holding on to a lot of stuff from back then. So I, yeah, I hold on because that's that's my security. That's my masculinity. Because as a young kid, people used to laugh at my clothes. They used to call me Dirty Mike and Funky, Nasty Smelling Mike. And so from that security, that's all I had is nice clothes, but I don't wear them because nobody really? laughs at me no more because they know I'm the nigga. That's why. But I still have that insecurity. I have all these fancy, expensive clothes, but I don't wear them, but that's my security because I hey, have yo. You just answered my question to why I'm a hoarder. Because yeah. I'm from Brownsville, Brooklyn, and I came up not having shit, so I'm holding on to everything I got. I can't even wear that stuff. It's too big for me now, but I'm still holding. Why? I won't give it to a, a, a heavier size person that really needs it and can really use some clothes. I'd rather hold it and not use it and hope some goddamn morphs come around and eat it some, or something, you know? So you just holding on. You just holding on to shit from wait from back in the nineties, right now, Mike. The eighties, nigga. The eighties. I can listen. I got the Versace shirt with James Dean and Marilyn Monroe on it still. It's oh, like two, it's like two sizes too big for me, and I still got. I won't let it go. Why would yeah, I? That, that, that's. I, 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 I guess that's. Nobody's gonna wear this again. It's out of style. Get rid of it, Mike. <laughs> Yo, if you if you can go back, you know, and I I don't like. Asking like, can you go back? If you could go back, if the, I don't like asking those kind of questions, but I gotta ask those questions because people want to know and I want to know. Um, what age were you when you first started flying birds and taking the whole bird thing serious? Because I know on our building, one seventy eight Amboy, you had a pigeon coop on the roof. Absolutely. And um, soon as I was, I used to live on Atlantic, um, between um, you know, by where Atlantic Tower was at, in Brooklyn, yeah. Atlantic and Star and Rockway. I used to live up there. We used to fly birds up there. And then you lived in you lived in Atlantic Towers. No, I lived right across the street from Atlantic Towers. Well, how is it? No, I lived on Atlantic between Rockaway and, and Hopkins. Oh, the back, the back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Saratoga by Saratoga. Yeah. yeah. So I lived there, twenty one seventy eight Atlantic Avenue. You know, and so we moved down to Amboy Street. And once I've been there, I, I started flying birds down there with DeAndre and Ralph and those guys. And that's just what we started doing. Then Ralph and them was good kids. They never stole or pickpocket or robbed houses. And I taught them how to pickpocket, snatch chains, and rob houses. And then they've been going crazy ever since. They haven't stopped since. <laughs> so you told wait. So you telling me you taught them how to pickpocket when you lived up the hill on Atlantic Avenue? That wasn't nothing no Amboy. No, when I first came to move to Amboy, I came from Rock um, Atlantic Avenue and I moved to Amboy Street. And so that's when I met Ralph and them. And then they, they used to just never steal before, but I sure they used to see me with watches and digital watches and chains and nylon shirts and underwear. And so I used to tell them how to snatch chains and pickpocket, and they became better than me. Now listen, this is this is this is before your boxing career. Did you I, ever do Yeah, did you I ever was, commit any crime during your boxing career just to see if you still had the grimy Brownsville League. 1982, I was the national champion. I was a fight, amateur fighter. I was, what, 16 years old or something? And I remember um, my mother died, and I was very depressed. And I went around. I had my little, I had my, my funeral suit on for my mother's funeral. But I went around busting cribs. I was just depressed. So I went robbing cribs on my mother's funeral. Yeah, that day of funeral. The same day? Yeah. Wow. So the same day your mother's funeral. Yeah, I was fucked up. Went, I was fucked up. I went busting crazy. Doing home invasions. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Hey, listen. <laughs> that 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 that's something I never knew. Like, I guess your mom was like fucking at that point. You lost your mom's and you was ready to just do whatever it took. Were you boxing then? Yeah, I was national champion. Oh wow. You still was running around. Was it in, was you robbing houses? Upstate, or was it in New York? No, was it in Brooklyn? On East New York, and on East New York Avenue, you know, up there with all the um, those people, the Jamaican, you know, the, those Caribbean people, and the, the Semitic, the, um, the Jewish people live. You know that place up yeah, there? Yeah, on Liberty. Yeah, up there, not not East New York. But I'm talking about up there by Utica. Utica, Utica, and what? Utica, and what? Utica, White Utica, Castle. Utica. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Utica, East Parkway. 
Yeah, up there. By Lincoln, yeah, yeah. Up there by Lincoln Park. We used to hit the cribs up there. Yeah. Okay, wow. And so the day your mom passed away, Mike, you went to do home invasions. Yeah. Out of anger. Fuck it. Everybody no, got to get it. No, 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 not out of anger. Just, um, I don't know. I was, I don't know. That, I, my mother died, and that's just all I knew to do. And that's just what I knew to do. I had some keys in my hand. Some keys I got. I don't even, I found some keys, and I just started putting them in people's door and see what they open the door. And some of them opened the doors. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I heard a story years ago. They was like, I don't know if you told the story. I went to your, I went to, um, your show on Broadway where you was, I think you were just, you just telling about your life. Um, it was something about, I don't know if you told the story, I heard it somewhere else, that you were paying a lot amount of money for like towels, like thousands of dollars for, for towels at one point to be delivered to your to your house or your hotel. Is that a true story or I don't know what I'm talking no, about? It's just that somebody was charging me for all these goddamn towels that I really didn't need. You know? So how much was you paying for towels? A lot of money. Trust me, it was too much fucking money for towels. It was too much money for So a motherfucker was charging you thousands of dollars just thousands, to bring you new towels? Thousands of dollars of towels over the years. Yeah. So that thousand leads to hundreds of thousands. Is this, was this the Don King era? Yes. Is Mr. Don, is, is, is this guy still in, in the promotional boxing? Like, I, I never heard his name after Mike Tyson. He is, but not to the degree that he was when we were together. Yeah, he, he was. He was more. He was more of a boxer promoter. He was never like your manager, or nothing, right? Yeah, he was everything, though. No, he was. A, he was a genius. He was everything. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I, a lot of people don't like um, Don King for whatever reason. I mean, he was a hustler. So I guess back then, you, you know, he was. He was like a Brownsville nigga. That made it in the boxing in the boxing world. No reason for nobody to be mad at anybody. We all living life. Living life is not losing; it's learning. You know, we just learning. Everybody's learning. We just learning. I mean, especially at a young age. I hear people say, "Yo, Mike should have fucked up Don King," or what? Well, I said, "Listen, man, we all know that story, so we can't speak listen, on." Listen, check it out, E. Right? I did fuck up Don King. So where did that get me, huh? Where did oh, you fucked him up. Yeah, but yeah, but they didn't give me nothing but a guilty conscience. What? Big deal he stole my money. I beat up on a 75-year-old man. I'm, I'm giving him a concussion. I'm punching him and kicking on him. I should I should be, I should feel like a fucking animal. You know? So yeah, I let, yeah. You I let money take me to that level. I let it, I let it take away all my dignity and self-respect. You know what? A lot of times money does that. A lot of times money, you know, money will take your dignity and your self-respect. So that's something that I'm learning, you know, as I grow up now and I'm and I'm watching the Mike Tyson, the Big Brother, or even other guys who I grew up under, but not nobody like you, because being being that you was the only guy from my neighborhood that ever made it big, I always idolize your every move. And sometimes I might have heard your move wasn't a good move. I still tried it anyway. No, you know, can I tell you something? That's so weird. I never thought that people felt that way about me because I always think they knew me from my neighborhood and I, I didn't have a good reputation in my neighborhood. I was really bad, I was robbing houses and I was that guy. And I always thought like, God, these guys probably still think I'm that bad little kid. And I know it's not true, but that's how my mind does. Our mind is so easily deceives us. That's what it does. It means to do that on purpose too. It wants to tell us that no one loves us. Yeah, so your mind really has you on a whole other level. Um, heavyweight champ, 20 years old, 1986. Uh, a stud, a jock, every girl's dream. Every girl wanted to fuck Mike Tyson at one point. Now, no, excuse my French, I know you're a married man, but I got to ask this question because a lot of guys want to know, that are 20 years old and it's in the athletic world. Is there anything you remember back then? I, did you, you know, like, I, guys want to know, well, Mike, you had all this money. The bitches was throwing all the pussy at you. How many bitches you fucked in one night? Now, I know that's, a, that's not a good question to ask you. You're a changed man. That's the young Mike. But we really want to know, man. How many girls in one night did you ever, that you can remember, that were crawling at their feet for, the, for, for Iron Mike? Well, listen, right? And <laughs> there's no ego, right? Um, I didn't win that game either. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we always lose that game. 
I didn't win that game either. I didn't win that game. They won that game. You can't win in that game. You know, your ego, you know, your ego, was, we can't even supersede your ego. You just can't win in that game. It's just, it's, un, it's just, that's, that's just a cold game because that game will humble you. You know, because I so, that, so the answer to that question is, you didn't win, that game was a tough game. That game humbled me, yeah. That game no matter me. what the numbers was, I still lost at the end. I lost. Oh, nigga, did I lose, man? I'm humbled by that game. That 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 part of the game humbled me. Yeah, like, that's my right hand to God. They talk about that humbled me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know, I know. I mean, I think like the, you know what? And the questions I'm asking you is shit I go through. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying to myself now, hey, I can't make some of the mistakes that other people make. And I got kids, and my kids feel like, hey, dad, you are uh, you doing too much. You know what I'm saying? And I realized um, just recently. I had an episode on Instagram where girls were getting naked and I don't want to lose on my Instagram account due to that because, but I couldn't stop them from getting naked, but it was actually boosting my ego watching 60, 70,000 people on my page watch me become this vulture that I'm really not. So, you know, and I, and that's a learned experience for me. So now I'm not even on Instagram. I'm just really just going to take my talent somewhere else. Hey, this is because like of that. You know what, hey, this is what I learned, that ego, when it tells me I'm only thing, I know that's a lie. I've I suffered so much, my ego's kicked my ass so much, I realize that he's lying to me now. I'm at the stage where I know this guy is not for real. Like that stuff I was talking to you earlier, hey, tell Nicki Minaj to call me on that stuff. That's just my ego, nigga, I ain't fucking with nobody. But that's my ego talking that shit. But when it comes down to actually doing it, nigga, I know I ain't fucking with nobody. Yeah, yeah, you ain't, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, we ain't even. That's real, no, e, that's real talk, though. You know, I talk a lot of bullshit because my ego, sometimes I can't control it. And it talks about my math. Hey, go home, I said hi. But when it comes down to it, nigga, I ain't fucking nobody. Hey, well, that's a good thing. You, that, 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 listen, I yeah. got to get there where you at. I got to get yeah. that same feeling. Because right now, I'm a, I'll be a raging bull. This pandemic got me in the house. I ain't getting no pussy. I'm fucked up. I'm 45 days stressed out. My hair's all over the place. I, I got to get some pussy, Mike. I mean, I, no, I, I, I mean, I'm saying. But that's why you needed somebody to, you know what I mean, to hold up with you and hold you down for whatever period it was. Yeah, that's why I got to work on a better me, man, because at this point, I'm lonely. I ain't got nobody, but I need somebody. Absolutely. You know, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, sometimes I know you can't go all out because when I'm over here, I'm going all out. That's all you do. You have sex, you make love, make love. And it's just sometimes that's not healthy either. Yeah. Too much anything is just not healthy. I know you are. No, it's definitely not healthy. I know you're a big gambler. You know what I'm saying? You've been gambling pretty much. I know you're a big gambler. You've been gambling pretty much all your life. What is the most money you lost gambling, and what was you doing to lose that amount of money? Man, listen. The only thing I really played was Cielo. I lost money in a, in a lot of money playing in the casino just being sucked. They just, but playing, listen, like D-Nice, um, Dementio. D-Nice? Um, oh, wait, D-Nice from up the hill? Yeah, Jesus, the, from, from Marlboro, not Marlboro, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Marlboro Project. Where yeah, is he? Is he uh, where is he from up there in Bergen? Where yeah, he from. Um, God. Yeah, we know where he's from. He from right off of, off Atlantic Avenue with uh. Yeah, what are those projects that he? I forgot those projects. The, yeah, yeah the, I can't think of it either. It's at the tip of my tongue. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, all those that man they used to man. And then I go to L.A. I go to D Mac. Man, those guys used to rip my asshole, man. D Mac. Yeah, they were masterful. Shout out to D-Mac. D-Mac yeah. might have been the first guy to beat me out of $6,000 playing oh, dice. From L.A.? D-Mac from L.A.? Yeah, D boy had D-Mac. Yeah, he's the, he's the king, nigga. Yeah, D-Mac, D-Mac, dice holding, sneaky dice playing oh, ass motherfucker. You're talking about the master. Yes, you are. <laughs> Shout out to D-Mac. D-Mac, one of the most uh, legendary dice cheating ass motherfuckers uh, I've ever met in my life. Oh, you got to see him. You ain't seen Little Bob. Wait till you see Little Bob. Oh, nigga. You want to get him. And these are the legendary gamblers against all the gangsters, the drugs, all the players, the top of players. These are the gangsters, man. What's the most money? But, Mike, what's the most money you ever lost playing CeeLo? Because that's my game. What's the most you lost at one time? With those guys? Yeah, with those guys. Tens of thousands of dollars with those guys. But we won a lot of money together, too. Okay, so you won some money, you lost we some money. We definitely lost over 300000 they got that one time, just playing around. Just street it, 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 was, it was some kids street, from upstate New York. Street, street money with street niggas. Not no casino guys, just street guys have never seen that money in cash in their life, just playing around, and we got our asses handed to us. 
Yeah, listen, but you know what? That was the that was the good days, you know. You, those are the days you can lose you can lose 50, 60, 100,000 and go home and re-up and come back. Now they can't do that no more. But no, but listen, E, how can a man come there with like $40,000 and leave with $200,000? Now you oh, tell yeah, me that's about that. That's, that's the power of CeeLo. Yeah, how do you do that? Hey, yo, shout out to the legendary Biggie Smalls, Mike. I, mean, okay, I got some footage. Biggie. I'm going to sing you this footage. I got a me, Biggie, and D-Rock. I beat Biggie out of sixty thousand dollars in dice. Might have been my fifty thousand, but I got the video. People seen it already. I'm gonna send it to you can see it though. Legendary CeeLo game. I played dice with some of the best of them. Not you though. I mean, I was never on your level to play. Listen, but we been doing this in my apartment. We lose all this money in my apartment, sweating, sweating like a pig in my apartment on 40th and Second Avenue in a certain place. We were so you used to bring everybody to your house to have a yeah. dice game? People would knock on our door and say, can you quiet the music? Can you quiet the screaming? Now, yeah, they weren't accustomed to people like us back then. <laughs> hey, listen, have you ever, dice games sometimes get, can go a little bit too far. Did you ever have a dice game you wanted to slap a style somebody or you had to slap a style somebody? No, we didn't have a dice game like that, but you know, they start talking shit about guns yeah. and all that stuff. But yeah. and at the end of the day, we're all smoking weed and hugging each other. That's just what it is, man. Yeah, that, you know, CeeLo Games has always been loved, man. I know some people who lost their life behind CeeLo, and I know some people who fixed their life behind CeeLo. So I can say CeeLo might be one of the best games I ever played in my life. Hey, listen, I, used to, I, would, do, I was reading The Prince when I was younger, and I... They played CeeLo back in the 1500s, 1490s back then. And they played dice. I don't know CeeLo. They missed the call of something up. But they played dice before Christ was born. In the 1500s? No, before Christ was born. Before Jesus was born, they would play oh, dice. Oh, before dice Christ. Was dice was already invented. Wow, I never knew that. See, that's see, see you put you you doing some real research on dice. Yeah. That's why you're so motherfucking lucky. You've been no, you've been no, studying no, this no, shit. You know what I realized? E, this is the real deal. I remember this. If you don't believe in magic, it'll never happen for you. Okay? Wow. That's the real. If you don't believe in magic, you'll never see it. And you'll never receive it. So it's all about believing in magic. Believing when everybody oh. else thinks that you're an idiot and it's not going to work and you're stupid to believe that, that's what you believe in. Whatever you're afraid of, you do it. That's what I learned. Anything I'm afraid to do, I do it. Any, um... Any, any, I know the card game, you know, everybody played the card game. I, I can remember you coming through Brownsville and every car from the Lamborghini truck to the Lamborghini car to all kind of Rolls Royces. They're all the biggest shit I ever seen in my life. Well, you were the first person I ever seen with the biggest, illest cars. I remember one time you came through Brownsville with Naomi Campbell in the car. She was in your Lamborghini truck. This had to be late. Maybe early, no, early 90s. What is your favorite car still to this day? My favorite car is, um, and to be honest with you, I want it's the Aston Martin. You still like, you still got love for the Aston Martin to this day? Aston Martin, that's a gentleman's car. Every other car, any car other than that, like the Rolls Royce, the Bentley, the Bugatti, anything over the Aston Martin is showing off. Everybody just doing too much. Yeah, anything after that, that's the elegant car. That's the, that's the gentleman's car. It's been designed for the gentleman. The Aston Martin. 2020. I haven't seen a 2020, but it probably look. It probably look yeah, it's a gentleman's made. car. It's been made for the gentleman. The purpose of it was for the gentleman, the Aston Martin. It's a gentleman's car. Do you still today, are you still a car collector to the day? Or are you still, what, what is your hobbies now that you, you know, carried on? About car, Cars are um, a great necessity, but a bad investment, you know? As soon as you drive off the parking lot, you lost $5,000 on it. So I always buy things that um, appreciate in price and time, and at least things that depreciate in price, you know? So right now, today, you don't give a fuck about cars. They don't even hold no value, right? No, I think about um, my, my destiny and my children's future. Absolutely. Now it's not about me, you know. Now it's about the future, the kids, and 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 and, and the name itself, carrying on and, and, and great gratitude. That's what that's what's really about. You know, e, this is what happened. I realized it's not necessarily about the name. The name can change because I'm not really a Tyson. I'm a Kirkpatrick and a Smith. 
but my mother married a Tyson for some pimp hoe shit, and I became a Tyson. But um, I'm not a Tyson, isn't that true? I'm not in the Tyson bloodline, but I'm a Tyson. Isn't that some crazy stuff? I'm a Smith oh. Patrick. But I don't know, my mother married the Tyson and convinced him that he was my father. They do whole shit like <laughs> did to me before it did to you. And um, that's how I became a Tyson. I'm not a so, Tyson. So, not so, a Tyson. so really, you're not a Tyson. Not a Tyson bloodline. My bloodline is not Tyson. My bloodline is Kirkpatrick and fucking Smith. But I got to take the Tyson bloodline because my mother did whole shit. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Isn't that that's crazy? crazy. I never seen it. You're telling me some shit I never knew. Yeah, but no, you. this is weird. I, I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people who are well-known that have the same thing. We have somebody else's name, but we don't have their bloodline. We have another bloodline. I have the Smith bloodline, the Kirkpatrick bloodline, but my name, I carry the Tyson bloodline. Isn't that weird? It's not true. It's a lie. Most of the world's history is a lie, like me. Like a lot of us are lies. And we a think whole fucking lie. And we think we're real. <laughs> Tyson, I made my name up for Tyson. It's not even real. My name is Mike Tyson. I'm world known. It's not real. It don't fucking exist. But it does because I say it does. Isn't that bullshit? That's about yo. So you basically told me that people can make up some, make up some, make up some shit and make it popular and make it a household name. I'm not saying that. It up. I'm saying this. I'm saying whoever you say you are, good or bad, you're right. But it's who you say you are and what you feed that is right. If you're gonna feed the asshole, the bad. And that's who you are. You are see the good, the positive, the humanitarian, then that's who you are. It's about what you Absolutely. feed. Absolutely. Energies you you're prepared to feed. Listen, I watch a couple episodes of your of your podcast. I think it's amazing. I think you you yes also inspired me to want to own my own podcast. Um, and I see you smoking a lot of fucking weed. What kind of weed is that? I smoke a lot of toad weed. Um, it's called a toad. It's a, um. It's the highest selling weed in the country. It's sold in the biggest dispensary in the world, Planet 13 in Las Vegas, and dispensaries all over the country. So it's called it's called Toad Wheat. Is that your is that your strand? Yes, yeah, from Tyson Ranch, yeah. Tyson oh. Ranch. Is it a lot of money in that? Well, it's a lot of money in the two, but we really don't touch the wheat. We just package it. So we get paid for the boxes and the, the, the jugs for packaging the weed. So say if I say if I was in Vegas and I wanted to get me some motherfucking toad weed, you go Mike Tyson from Mike. Yeah. How, how do I find it? You go to Planet Thirteen and they got there the biggest distributors of Mike Tyson's weed at this particular time. Yeah, I heard about this toad. I actually heard about this toad weed and I heard this shit is putting niggas to sleep. Out. This shit is some good shit. Hey, listen, um, when I see you, I'll be really um willing to smoke some and take you on the trip of the lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I don't smoke, but guess what? I'm gonna smoke one with you. Cause this shit got you looking incredible over here. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're doing to your me, body. Me and you and Fab gonna get blazed up together. I like Fab. Yeah, 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 Fab, yeah. Fab, Fab, Fab definitely needs some toad weed. Yeah, bring that shit on. Hey, listen, let me tell you, hey, listen. This is my right hand on Now, if he smokes some of this weed, he's gonna be rapping about some shit he don't even know what he's rapping about there, but a superstar. Oh, this shit is, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, this is what we need. We need a new album out of Fab. Okay, so we need to get with you and get this yeah, weed. Sure, hey, hey. I'm being real with you. If he smoked, the, if he smoked this shit, he ain't gonna be the same nigga. Oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a different fab. Yo, yo listen, e, remember he saw me. I used to be in trouble all the time, always arresting and shit, always doing. E, look at me. I've been two and a half years. I ain't get into trouble. I ain't get into an argument. Listen, nigga, you ain't listen. What only that's that told we? Yeah, only thing you've been hearing is good stuff, right? You haven't been hearing no more parties. You've been hearing I got organization. I'm running a business now. Now, when do I do that shit? I'm not smart enough to do this shit. This shit came from the universe, dude. I'm serious, That's a, that, That's all because of the weed? No, the toad. The toad ain't weed. The toad is some it's ancient medicine. It's millions of years old, and um, wow. it's before the existence of almost humans. Yeah, it, it I need some of that shit right now. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I need, I, listen, I need to get my life together. By smoking something, so do you smoke it? How the fuck you use it if it ain't weed? Listen, it comes from a toad. You put, you get it from the pus of a toad. You put it on a window. You dry it out. You put it in the pot. You smoke it, and then your soul go one way, your body goes the other. You experience that. The feeling of God, and when you come back, you wanna, you wanna be a part of the universe. You wanna make it a better place. Yeah, that, that, listen, there's a question I gotta ask you because you, you, you know, we we we're from Brownville. With every alpha male's masculinity up to a million. Do you smoke hookah? I smoked hookah before, but hookah is not a medicine. Hookah is just something to do if you're bored. It doesn't do nothing good for you. I'm I hate hookah. 
I'm talking about medicine. Medicine. Yeah, okay. Who okay. is just trying to do for the sport? Who is not doing anything to improve you as a human being? Yeah, I do I like things, anything I do, I do to improve myself. I don't do nothing to deprove myself. If I do cocaine, that gives me an ego. So that, that determines that it's tearing me apart. So I do this medicine, it takes my ego away and let me know that I'm nothing. But then let me know that my love is everything. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Now, I, I, like, I like that answer, man. Because I hate hookah, man. Yeah, you can't hate nothing because once you hate hookah, hookah's already defeated you because it got you hidden. <laughs> in there. But I don't hate it. I don't hate it eternally. I know, you don't, I know you don't hate it, but you need to find another word to determine your feeling. You got to say well, what you, you know what, what I Can I use the word like I don't like it? Yes. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, you can use that. <laughs> can I, use the, I don't like hookah. Look, Mike. So last question, man, because I don't want to question you to death. Last question. Go for it. Uh, nah, I got two more questions for you. Go for it. I got all day with you, man. In this new generation of music, uh, you, you know, no, let's ask that question. The Mike Tyson fight, Tupac got shot. Yeah. Did you see Tupac that night before he got shot? Absolutely. I gave him a hug. As soon as I came out the ring, he came and hugged me. He said, I said, um, he said, I'm going out. I said, I'm coming to see you. I'm going to go see my baby. I just had a baby. I said, I'm going to spend some time with my little daughter. And then I'm going to come to 662 to see That's what we normally do after fights. And um, when I came upstairs with my daughter, we was hanging out at the little party. I got tired. And then somebody said, I got a call. And they said, Pac, I killed. And he went to the hospital, but somebody had told me he was dead. He wasn't dead yet. But somebody, you know, your man just got killed. And I, I didn't know what to say. It was just a, a grim evening, you know? It was really bad. So did you get the makers of the hospital? I know that you won that fight that night. Yeah, we couldn't make it to the hospital. But um, we, we, it was just really a bad night. You just had to, there's nothing that you could have done. It was just too much happening. I went to the hospital store. I'm Latifa and all those people, they were down there. But I, it was just really hectic. It was really bad. And, the, and the, man, you, you just had to be there, man. The, the environment was just really, it was just really bad. It wasn't really good. It was really something. Um, it was a man. It was really a riveting. Who did you fight that night? I think it was Bruce Sheldon. He had a belt too. I fight for his belt. And was that a part of? It? And that was you on the come on, on this one. Yeah, you come I, back just I, on I, your I, mic my Yeah, when I came out of prison, I was fighting these guys. Yeah. Prison. How long you? Do, how long you been in jail? Was it two three years? Half, it was three and a half. Yes. Three and a half. Right. Yeah. Mike Tyson, man, young. Brownsville motherfucker that did it all, then had it all, then then spent it all, and still spent it all. You look amazing, man. What, what is your workout version? Are you are you in a gym still? Are you are you still? I just started hitting the bag and stuff, hitting the mitts and stuff, just in case I decide to box some charity exhibition. I thought that would be something that could be in the good um, nature of a lot of people. But I still have this potential to box exhibitions and make money to help people and to give people a better life than they had before I started doing this stuff. Then I won, and I won for God, and I won for humanity of human beings and people in general, too. You know, I've gotten involved with a crew and my partners, and our whole objective of life is to make the world a better place than when we first came here, and it should be better than when we left. Did that make sense? That made all the fucking sense to me in the world. It, it definitely made a lot of sense. I can't believe I'm this kind of guy anymore. I can't believe I do this shit. That I care about more people than I care about anything else. I can't. Yeah, but I mean, I've been so you know, you, my whole life. I can't believe I'm this person. Yeah, I remember. I, I always remember this interview where they said you said it. It was. It, I think it was about somebody. He was like, "Yeah, I want to eat his fucking kids." Who was the? Who was that? I had maybe it was Len too. I don't know. I was just going through so much pain and self hate right then, and I. That's how I showed it by acting like that. Yeah, but that 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 might have been the Brownsville in you. I think at that point you was like, "Fuck everybody, I'm ready to eat his kids." I'm like, this motherfucker right here. No, listen, yo, E, dig right. I used to think that was the Brownsville in me too. But know what the Brownsville in me is? The Brownsville. What? That's the guy that wants to survive. That's the guy that wants to continue to succeed in life and reach the highest potential that he can. So he can tell everybody else about. But see, I did it. Look at me. I'm from Brownville. <laughs> hey, it seems like you mastered the art of life, man. Yeah, it, it, it seems like that you mastered the art of living, man. Every, every, it, it, it's just pure, pure, genuine shit you're saying about life that a lot of people go through 
different changes and wouldn't even be where you at at this point. Your mind is set. I stay out of my own way. I stay out of my head, you know? I start, if I go in my head, I can find something wrong with everybody that loves me. I can find something wrong with my kids. I can find something wrong with my wife. I can find something wrong with my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my best friend, you. I can find shit wrong by staying in my head. Once I'm out of my head, life is, life is beautiful. Life is ecstasy. Life is pleasant. Life is God almighty. Life is divine. But once I'm in my head, then the devil's working. That's so how long it took you how long it took you to get to the point where you had to get out of your head? Because a lot of people, that's their problem. They're in their head. Hey, listen, I'm still in my head, but I'm fighting to stay out. I'm not in, I'm not in my head as much as I was in the 80s, and I'm not much in my head as I am in the 90s, and I'm not in my head as much as I was in the teens, and now I'm even getting better in the 20s. So maybe in the 30s or the middle 20s, I'd be even less out of my head. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. I didn't become this way overnight, so it's not going to end overnight, you know? Tyree's got a book called um, In Your Own Way. Oh, yeah, that's I me. think that's what you're telling me. A lot of people, that's their downfall. In my way. In, their, in, their, in your own way. When you, when you, sometimes you don't even know you're in your own way, but it seems like you've mastered that too. No, only thing I mastered, I mastered um, just knowing who I am. That's what I mastered. I don't lie to myself. I may even lie to people. You know, yeah, I might do that even now, but I'm never gonna lie to myself. I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. You know, I know. That's the whole thing. I know. So I know if I conduct myself the way I did in the past, that's where I'm gonna be back in the past. So I gotta conduct myself like I'm gonna go someplace I've never been before. So I don't know how to prepare for that, but I'm ready when I get there. That's the great. That, yo, you touching my soul because I had this conversation with my daughter this morning about how we have to change with the times in order to, in order to live in the times and you you made you made that change that i told her about the change i'm telling her about is you have to get out your way you have to start thinking 20 30 now not 2020 20, 20 30 and you're doing that and i see it i see it in you in the way you move i see it in your social media i see it in your grind and your body look like you fucking about to go fight tomorrow right now. I don't know what the fuck you doing. Fight tomorrow. But listen, I learned that shit. I learned that too. Um, that um, it's all about um, life is not about mastering. Life is about mastering yourself. And in order to master yourself, you gotta get on your knees. You gotta submit. I believe that there's something greater than you. you have to. You have to find a god. I don't know which god, but you have to find a god, and you have to worship something better than yourself. I, I worship myself for the last 25, 30 years. I have to worship something better than me. I'm nothing. I found out that I'm nothing. My life is just meaningless. Why I can't worship me no more. I gotta worship something greater than me. I have to be. I have to be um, forgetting for all my sins and all myself. So I, I can't go with that feeling no more. That it's about me. I have to get on my knees in order to receive the blessing. I have to give up some bad habits to receive some blessings. Pretty much, you know. If you if you had, if you had to say one of your worst habits were in your life, what would you say it was? My insecurity. My insecurity makes me want more and more and more and more and more. I have a big hole in me and it's never filled. You know, that's what my insecurity does. It gives me that big emptiness hole in me and there's never enough women, there's never enough drugs, there's never enough liquor, there's never enough love, there's never enough anything, there's never enough hate, there's never nothing. And what is that is when I got stability, my wife and my kids give me that stability. Without them, I got that big hole. That big hole keeps me in prison, it keeps me in psych wards, it keeps me in, you know I me, mean, mental wards, it keeps me in hospitals, it keeps me almost dead. That's what that hole does to me. That pleasure, all that pleasure keeps me almost, it kills me. Yeah, Mike, I don't know what fucking college you went to, but you fucking smart as fuck. I'm not smart. I'm a sucker because I learned from pain. I'm not smart. Yeah. Smart ones don't learn from pain. I learned from pain. I'm a fool. I, I, hey, yo, people say, People always say, Mike, why the fuck did you get a tattoo on your face? What do we wish your answer for that? Because I want to. Absolutely. <laughs> People always ask that question, like, well, Mike got a tattoo on his face. That was stupid. Why did he do that? Because I fucking wanted to. Yeah. Only thing, what is no what is good is bad is whoever tells us, whoever wrote the law what is good is bad. You know, we know we don't know. We don't know what is. We don't know our birthday if it wasn't for Julius Caesar. 
Do you see there's only, do you see there's only what, 70 years older than Christ? What does he know? Christ is a baby. He's only 2,000 years old. The world's been here for probably trillions of years, a number that we can't even imagine. He thinks he knows something? He's going to tell us 365 days a year, and that's our birthday, that's how old we are. So before Jesus, uh, Julius Caesar was born, how did Alexander the Great, uh, those guys, tell their birthday? They didn't use the 365 days a year. How did they tell their birthday? Now tell me that. How did, how did uh, Moses and Alexander the Great tell their birthday? They didn't use the 365 days a year. So what, what method did they use before Julius Caesar came around? So nothing's right. Everything has been taught to us. We don't know nothing. We forgot what we forgot that we forgot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah you you bought you you bypass you bypass Brownsville by a long way, bro. You, you, your mind your mind is on another level. <laughs> no, because if I wasn't from Brownsville, I could never get to this level. I only have to Yeah, but it's like, listen, I you know, I dropped out of school in eleventh grade, made more money in my life than I ever made when got my GED when I was in federal prison. What year did you drop out? Ninth grade. Ninth grade. Did you ever go back and get your GED or you just said no, fuck it? I kept failing my GED. But hey, listen, right? I've been to the best I've been to the best um school in life. I've been to the school of life. This whole world is one big school, and I learned from this. And you got your fucking masters in that, goddammit. You, <laughs> you sound amazing, bro. I got a master's only in me, but in life I don't know shit. Now, you got a ma you got a master's in life, man. You sound like you complete. You you know you, you, everything that 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 could have been in a way you figured out how to get it out of the way, and that and that's what life is about. But that's only in theory. Only it's only good when it's in action. Theory is only the beginning. Action is you know infinite. Action is everlasting. It lasts internally. Our actions it never stops. It lasts to the end of time. Our actions. No. No, 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 no matter what, no matter what, I actually definitely last at the end of time. Listen, I see you in a lot of fights that, you know, all the current fights is happening now. When you, when you box, because I don't know a lot about boxing, do they, do they comp, do they, do they comp the heavyweight champions of the past or you guys got to buy tickets? I don't know how that shit works now. I don't know that situation. You know what, this is what happens with me. I know me. You know what happens? People call me and say, Mike, would you like to come to this fight? Would you like to? Okay. Um, Work this pro cat. You want to do this cat? You want to be interviewed for this? You want to help interview? Or something like that. And I like those kind of things. But I like to go because certain guys are promoting. My friends want to go, so we go to the fights. But um, yeah, I, I don't mind paying for a fight, but I haven't paid for a fight in, since I've been fighting. But I wouldn't. Yeah, you, you, you would never pay for a fight, man. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't shame me if somebody wanted money for a ticket. I wouldn't be like, nigga, you crazy? Nigga, you know who I am? I would never. Do <laughs> I was I was say thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to go. I have to um I have to always try and the attempt to be humble because that's my problem. I think I'm special sometimes. So I always have to beat myself up with the attempt of being humble. Just the fact that I'm using the word humble shows that I'm not humble. So Yeah, I'm, you sound like me. I work on becoming humble, you know. But when I use the word humble, that means I'm nowhere close to it. When that word my mouth, humbleness is nowhere in my my barometer, and I'm sorry. To yeah, hear. yeah, humble. You, 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 when you talk humble, you ain't thinking fucking humble, right? Yes. When you start talking humble, you're full of shit. Humble is an action. Yeah. You don't use that word. When you use that word, that's when you're talking your bullshit. Don't even use that shit. word. That word shouldn't even come out your mouth. It's blasphemous to even use that word. Listen, I'm in New York City right now. Uh, well, I'm in Jersey, and this pandemic got everybody in the house. We're not, we're not able to move anywhere. This coronavirus is very serious. How are you How are you making it during these times right now? Are you outside working out still? Are you still making moving around? Or are you sitting your ass down? I'm at my highest, um, I don't know, I'm at my highest degree of working out. I'm just working out constantly every day, consistently. I'm very conscious. I try not to get sick. I'm, I'm living life on life terms. I'm, I miss, I miss, I'm living with a great deal of gratitude for being healthy and my family's healthy and my friends are healthy. And I, and just, um, I miss healthy to breathe in this fresh air and that I'm existing today. Yeah, I, I, I tell people all the time, if you ever did any jail time, this is a fucking piece of cake. <laughs> you know, um, time is time, you know, we're born in the cell. That's what we are, life is a cell. You know what I mean? 
So whatever whatever happens when we're locked up, we're isolated, it's our perception of locked up. It's our perception of locked up. There's people that can't stop going to prison because they're institutionalized. So the perception of being locked up is not as bad as somebody that hasn't done it over and over again like they have. So their perception of being locked up is being in prison. They're not in prison, a guy who's institutionalized. He's at home. Yeah, an old friend of yours. I bump into an old friend of yours, um, Gordy from Brooklyn. You know, I, yeah, he, yeah, I love Gordy. Gordy and Gordy was back in the day. He was a pickpocketer. We call it Jocelyn. Me, he was one of the greatest pickpockets in the city of New York. Yes. Say it again. One of the greatest pickpockets in the city of New York. He's one of the guys that would go out in the morning and come back with forty thousand dollars from pickpocket. Wow. How does a guy come out? He pickpocket and pickpocket. You get like eight hundred dollars a big hit, a fifteen hundred dollars a big. Hit. How do you come back with forty thousand dollars at the end of the day from a seven to six day? So hold on. So this guy Gordy would go on the trains of New York buses, no matter what it was, and would do what? Jocelyn. And these guys come back with so much money. These guys come back with brand new tailor-made suits, and they were the first guys. That I saw that were like 13 years old, they used to have their clothes made. I never saw that before. Then I saw these guys with suits, tailor-made suits, and they had pockets on the side of their legs. And I never saw that before with Gordy. Gordy's like two years older than me. So I used to see these guys with suits and chains, and they had the watches, like the long jean watches in the late 70s were big. And they used to wear Pierre Cardin. Those were the shoes back in the day, and British walkers. And um, they were really- And playboys, and shit like that. And British Walker, they're very fashionable dresses. Him, Webb, and all those guys, Gordy and Rock. They were, man, these guys knew how to dress. These guys really sharp dresses to be kids. For people, for Mike, for people who don't know what Jocelyn means, people, a lot of people don't know what the word pickpocket means. Can you be more clear what that was? Because I mean, um, you get on the bus, you and your crew, but you come on the bus not together, but you come separately. Like I might get on a, I might get on a Rockaway and 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 a Livonia. They may get get on the bus by 265 or Rockaway and Hagerman, but we don't know, we act like we don't know each other, but we've been planning it. Soon as we come out, soon as we come out, we, we, we buy a weed, we get our Bacardi, we get high and drunk, and then we play our post. But we're on different sides of the street. I'm in Brownsville on Livonia Avenue and Rockaway, and they on Rockaway and Hagerman by 275, and I'm with Tilden. By the time we get up, I'm coming home, we're smoking, and we're hanging out at two different places, and I'm on the bus, and then they get to rock with it. He gets on the bus, and next thing you know, there's five of us that's on the bus from different stops, and we're working together, and nobody in the bus knows that we're together. And y'all taking money out of everybody's pocket on the bus, yeah. so they don't even know it. Big pocket, and sometimes when we can't get a pocket, we see a person that has a chain. So when we come on the bus, there's really nobody on the bus, we start opening the windows. Get on the bus when there's nobody in the bus, we start opening the windows, because no, somebody by that window, with a chain is gonna sit by that window with the open window. <laughs> get out that window and we're gonna wait for the bus to go and we're gonna jump and snatch the chain and we're gonna go that way, the bus gonna go that way. That's the old Brooklyn, man. I, yeah. these, these guys today thinking this scamming, this was the real meaning of scamming when you had to go out and get it. Yeah, and then even on the train, when we get on the train early and and the people see us, and some people get nervous and they get off the train, we open all the windows to just in case the person sit there with a chain, they're gonna sit by the window. And we hope they do, and then we get off that's the chain when they we get up on the train. What, what was the most money you think you saw pickpocketed yourself? Nothing but like four thousand dollars stuff like that. Guys like women, they were the best. Him, Rock, man, these guys are really good. They were really good. They were really Shout good. out to Gordy, man. Shout out to Uwe too, man. I ain't seen Uwe in a while, but. Joshua too, Uwe to all those guys, Rock Uwe, these guys are masters. These are Brownsville legends, people. Brownsville legends, Uwe, Rock. I can never uh, do something like them. I used to just snatch the money out their pocket. I couldn't, I didn't have the technique like those guys. I just snatched them out and hit them. Oh wow. This, this, listen, that that's um that's the shit I say to this day. Shout out to um my um, you know my uncle um Cleveland just came home from jail. Listen, I told you um I went to see when I was like 19, 20, before I was champ, I went to see um, Cleveland and Green Corrections facility like in 85, 86. Oh, you went to see him since he's been in the feds? I'm talking about when I was a kid, before I was champ. Oh, that's when he was upstate. Yeah, and I was I was an up and coming guy, and so then I went to visit the guys in prison. I used to see him, Green Eye Mike. You see people I grew up with hustling, and I used to go visit each other to talk to the inmates, and I feel my friends I grew up with. Oh, yeah, well, he just came home from doing 26 years. 
I mean, he's been doing time forever. But listen, right? I remember some guy, this guy named Richard, he had stole Clevo's tires long time ago back in the day. And Clevo caught him. Clevo caught him. Him and Nelson beat this guy. He must have gave him 500 stitches. They ripped his face off. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah my family was different, man. They were some different motherfuckers. They ripped this cat's face off. <laughs> oh, yes. Nelson's a big 300-pounder back then, right? Remember Nelson? Yeah. R.I.P. to Nelson, my uncle, but he was a real motherfucker. Listen, the guy was a skinny toothpick, this guy that stole his tires, right? And he jumped up and broke on, stepped on the guy. I mean, he jumped in and stepped on him like he was nothing. And, and the guy screamed, he like broke him in half. I never saw anybody got beaten like that in my life at that time until I became an adult. Other than that, I thought I, I saw somebody get almost beat to death. I never witnessed that until I was like 11, 10 years old, 11 years old. I never forgot it. I've been intimidated of Clebo ever since and Nelson. <laughs> I, I, listen, E, when I put my damn, I put my demonstration down, my right hand all up, I think about doing what they did to Richard. Every time? Stayed in my mind how they beat that man. Yeah, listen, I bet you Richard ain't still no motherfucking tires no more. Oh, no, listen, listen, <laughs> let me tell you something, E, E, this was, it, this was Richard's best friend. They got a hold, I don't know how he got a hold that Richard did it. They got a hold of Richard's best friend, and Richard's best friend told everything. Once they got a hold of this other guy, he told, I don't know what they did to him, but they told, he told everything, and he, and he led him to Richard's house, and they beat, oh, they beat Richard's mother, and they drove him out of his house, and they almost beat him to death. I never this was that. in the eighties. No, this is in the seventies. Oh God! So snitching been around, huh? So snitching been around since the seventies. No, listen, when they put that press, they were going to kill him. His life was more important than Richard. I mean, you know, I remember that. I will never forget that. That's yeah, this is somebody get beaten from the end of their life. I never forgot that in my life. But for those of y'all just tuning in, this is my second episode. This is my big brother from from a total different mother, but we've been loving each other. He knew me from when I was in my mother's stomach. We're both from Amboy, Brooklyn. 178 Amboy, we lived in the same building, same floor. He know my mother's Brenda. Her, new, her Muslim name was Amani, but he knows me. That's why he's calling me E, because my real name is Eric. Eric, but then I'm gonna let them know this time. I know you don't like this part of your life sometimes, but his whole family terrorized that whole neighborhood. That whole block was shut down. Nobody fucked with the Nelson. Tell oh, me, yeah, yeah. Tell me somebody fucked with you and you went and got your family. The whole block got shut down. Oh, yeah, yeah. The whole block got shut down. Hey, it's still like that to this day, Mike. Is it really? I call Paul right now. He's pulling up with about six guns oh, by no. himself. You got to leave that alone, man. Stop it. Stop. No more. You know Paul, Paul still think it's 88 right now. Don't be calling nobody. No Corbett's and stuff no more, man. Stop that. Oh, yeah. You know your man? This guy, I think, is still 88, man. You remember Vic? Yeah, Big Muscle Vic. Yeah, Vic, 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 Vic ain't got no muscles no more. Vic's skinny, but he, got, he still got the muscles. Paul look like the new Vic. Yeah, but Vic used to have the physique back in the day. Yeah, Vic had the physique back in the days. Vic, Vic definitely had the physique. Shout out to, shout out to my cousin Vic. Shout out to my cousin, cousin Perry, my cousin Gary, and a bunch of other motherfuckers from Brownsville that I didn't mention. I love y'all, man. I gotta tell you something. But remember what was your remember Grace thought? What was Grace daughter name that married Bobby? Oh, Gloria. Gloria. Now Bobby's brother was the flyest motherfucker I ever met in my life. His name was Bar Kim. Do you remember Bar Kim? Yeah, I know Bar Kim, yeah. Oh man, that's the flyest guy I ever met. Bar Kim's the flyest. I'm letting everybody know Bar Kim from 178 Amboy Street to living on the fourth floor. It's the flyest guy I ever saw in my life. In oh, Bar Kim was one of the flyest guys back then? Oh, absolutely. That Bar was Bobby's brother, right? Yeah, fly, pretty black nigga with the mole on his head. Nigga, fly, slick dresser, could fight, look slim, had any woman he wanted. This was the master, and he got killed. But that was, man, that was my, he was like, I was like his son. He did, like his street son. He was like my street father. Nah, that's dope, man. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. Your fucking memory can go back that far at the boxing for so many years and never getting hit. That's why. No, because um, those are those are memories in my life that will never stop playing. Those like yours, the ones that never stop playing in your head. We all have yeah, it. Man. Never stop playing. I, I remember one time you came through. Every time you would come through, you if I was around, you would pick me up. One time you picked me up with an orange Lamborghini. We pulled up in front of Empire Skate Ring and shut. You shut the whole fucking block down. This 
this early nineties. I said, this is this is definitely my idol right here. <laughs> That's what it was, man. I remember all those guys up there, the Puma Boys and all those guys, and the Cats. I used to hustle with all those guys back in the day, robbing cribs. Yeah, well, you well, listen. I'm pretty sure you they hero as well, man. And I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna hold you hostage and make this shit too long. I know you might got a workout to do, or you got some some working out to do. So I'm gonna let you go. I love you. Yeah, that's why I love talking to someone to do this to get the right way. You need to be, you know what I mean. Demonstrate the way. Nah, yeah, we got, yeah, we got, we, we got to let it breathe a little bit. We got to, we had to fill it out, let it breathe, and you, you brought the best out of me in this. Cause the first, I was a little, I had the butterflies yesterday, but I'm all right today, boy. You have to be like, listen, when you're doing your show, you have to know that this is what I have to find in doing my part. Don't care how nervous you are and how insecure you feel, you have to remember this: you are in control. Whatever you say is God right now. Cause absolutely. So whatever you say, even if they think it's wrong, they got to decipher it because you said it and they're listening to you. So yes, remember, you're in control. And don't ever you heard it first from the motherfucking master, the motherfucking champ, Mike Tyson. It's That's a Fendi episode, part two, finished. We ain't got to cut, but we're going to cut and get on the phone and talk some shit, man. I love you, Mike. Oh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm about to call you. Oh.